So yeah, I was on. Uh, I was at work for like 40 hours this week. I think I hit 40 hours on Wednesday, and then ended up uh, getting called back into work on pure overtime. It sucks. And if you have worked 47 hours this week, then you are ready for discography discussion. I am Joe. I'm Dan. That is Dan. And this is episode 13. Wow, we've done that many episodes already? We have, in fact, done more than that, if you count episode 9.5, but we don't talk about that. Yeah, not really. I mean... Nobody listens to that episode anyway. No, everybody's all about episode 8. Oh, for sure. Dude, what's been going on? It's been one of those weeks where it's like, what in the world are we going to do? And then... Dude, it it has been a hell of a week. I mean... All things considered, uh, you got your space dust. Uh, no, I don't. I, I drank it before we even started recording. I'll have to get you another one here in a minute. Yeah, that sounds good to me, man. So yeah, I, I had a rough week, and uh, there are certain bands that I listen to when I've had a rough week. And uh, so the band that we're talking about tonight is called the Tony Danza Tap Dance Extravaganza. <laughs> So, you want to tell me where a band gets a name like that and gets away with it? You know, I'm not entirely sure. My understanding is that Tony Danza is cool with it. Well, I remember watching like a clip on YouTube where somebody said, Hey, here's this band that is named after you. And he was like, well, all right then. Yeah. Uh, and then he just never stopped talking about it. Well, yeah, later on in a different on a different interview, he was like, I have a band named after me. They're like a heavy metal punk band. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call these guys punk. Uh, you know, there's a certain punk element to it, man. They just get up there and do that. There's a shocking ridiculousness to it. This would be <laughs> Don't get me wrong, they're fun to listen to, but you know, I've primarily listened to the Electric Boogaloo, which we will most definitely get to. Cause oh, yes. It's, I would call it the highlight, except the last album was... Yeah, see, I could disagree with you on that, but we'll we'll get to that right. eventually. So before we get too far, I'm going to go ahead and say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com we are on google play we are on itunes we are on stitcher we are on tune in radio so if you have an amazon echo product you can say to it alexa play the latest episode of discography discussion and she will we are also on facebook and on twitter at discuss metal be sure to like favorite and subscribe it really helps us out and it lets us know that you're listening and what you want to hear more of this week we have a goal our goal this week is to double our listeners we there are so many of you guys you know we want you to talk to us we want you to comment on the show you know if if you're listening on itunes you know put a review up you know it helps us out if you're catching this on youtube on the repost you know leave a comment we appreciate that and also it gives us you know it gives us something to look at and you know we like feedback too yeah, I mean, just just give it a, a review on uh, on something. You don't even have to type anything. You know, almost everything is reviewed by a star system, and uh, we just we just want to know what we're doing bad, what we're doing good. You know, um, any suggestion is better than anything. Um, and we definitely, you know, we want to hear from everybody any way you can because we appreciate all of you. Yeah, I mean, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can hit us up on uh, on Facebook. 
We even set up a Patreon this week, so you can find that at patreon.com. Got some good stuff in there. Slash Discuss Metal. We got some good stuff, so. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, let's get into Tony Danza. Tony Danza. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> Tony Danza puts me in a good mood, even when I'm in a bad mood, and that is definitely something that, well, <laughs> that's kind of the point. Oh, no, yeah, I understand completely, because Tony Danza is, and hereby we will be referring to the band name as Tony Danza because I just don't really have the energy in me at this point in time to say the Tony Danza tap dance extravaganza that many times. So they're called Tony Danza. Let's just go with that. And uh, Tony Danza is interesting to me in that, you know, everybody remembers that scene from Spinal Tap. There's like, yes, but our amps go up to 11. So traditionally heavy music is fine for me. Like I don't really have any issues with listening to kind of your standard modern heavy sound. But there are certain weeks, like when you clock 47 hours in, which may not be a lot to some people. I realize other people work more hours than that. However, for me personally, who's used to a 40-hour work week, I kind of get put in this state where traditional heavy is good enough for me, which is when I turn to bands like the Tony Danza Tap Dance Extravaganza. (laughs) They are just kind of ridiculous kind of insane almost a joke in places however they really pulled through towards the end and they have four albums out they have four albums total um the first one came in like what like oh five or something 2005 we got the self-titled tony danza tap dance extravaganza yeah so i mean this was um kind of an introduction (laughs) on what to expect you know um it starts off with this uh with this like loud guitar this 80s metal type screaming or whatever and it's not good it doesn't sound great and then the band kicks into what they really sound like which is just kind of an onslaught of would you say would you say more chaotic metalcore joe that is the the aim i think and one thing that you're going to notice about this band is where they start and where they end up are not the same no, not at all. And where they end up to most people and would would be considered your standard run of the mill degent. I know that's a it's that's that be, word again, dude. That's, Come it's a on. dirty word, I know, but to most people that's what it's going to be. Nobody says degent anymore. Uh, that's a good thing because it needs to go away. It's stupid. But it, run of the mill degent. But I would say you're more run-of-the-mill degent around, you know, album number two, a little bit into three. Where they ended up is very melodic, but... I don't know about very melodic. On the low end of the spectrum, as far as the guitar tuning, I'm pretty sure they're they're using eight strings down in F sharp or F. Oh, for sure, yeah. Which, you know, that's where you get that sound from. But where they started out, it's, it's clearly a joke. Self-titled Tony Danza tap dance extravaganza, in by name, by album cover, it's just this car on a black and white cover, and like he mentioned with the, uh, with the like '80s kind of power metal intro, you will find littered throughout this record these little like stabs in the gut of riffs that you might recognize. So it's clearly a joke. I mean, straight up, you can hear Sweet Child of Mine for about a second and a half, and then it turns into chaotic metal. Right, yeah. So it's 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 clearly a joke, and the jokes kind well, of followed those, into those album Well, and those song two. titles, man, you know, 
my bowling balls frozen in a footlocker in Chicago. Like my, I mean, my bell heaven looks like, like Talladega. Yeah, uh, there's a song on here called Cliff Burton Surprise. Yeah, you know, uh, bringing it straight from Alabama. I mean, it's it's uh, obvious what it is. Bill Dance lands the big one. We're reading it off his screen here, and, and and I would say it's fun. Yeah, for for the majority of people, Tony Little, Jack Daniels, and the Open Road. That's that's brilliant. I mean, I mean, <laughs> for your casual metal fan, or even your casual extreme metal fan, it's worth a listen just for what it is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, I don't know that I enjoy it as much as later records, but then again, the first thing I heard was Danza 2. Well, yeah. Well, I think uh, with the exception of maybe Danza 3, I think this first album had kind of the craziest sound. Um, yeah, I mean, it almost goes into like pure grindcore in places. You know, I feel like I jumped the gun, so I'm going to slow you down and back you up. Kind of give me a rundown of, you know, what's the deal with chaotic metal and... That style of, because a lot of it gets thrown into subgenres. Like someone would say, this is noise core. It's not the same thing. Chaotic metal, noise core, not the same thing. And I know you know the difference. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really focus on that kind of stuff anymore. Why is why is Tony Danza melodic metal or chaotic metal in that way? Um, I would say Tony Danza sounds more to me like a um. Like a Meshuga meets Akisha Strain, kind of heavy. Um, whereas, like a lot of the chaotic bands that I listened to early on were more like, um, you know, like we talked about on the uh, on the American Standards episode, more of like hardcore based, which is, um, you know, more like your like Spitfire, Training for Utopia, uh, early Norma Jean. Um, the chariot kind of stuff is kind of where I would, and it's like Scarlet and stuff. I, I would put that stuff more in the chaotic hardcore the genre or the noise core or whatever you want to call it. Um, Tony Danza, however, seems a little bit more rooted in the chaotic metal. They're just like a little bit heavier than those types of bands um, and just have more of a metallic, like metal scraping on metal sound to the way it all sounds. So it's, it's, it, it it does utilize a lot of heavy feedback. Um, kind of strikes me as a band that listened to the Chariot and listened to Meshuga and said we can be as technical as this band, but as chaotic as this band. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if that was the same. If they were the same, uh, like if they were even listening to that stuff. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like it to me. Because um, I mean, and and what you have are you know relatively short songs with ridiculous song titles and it sounds like a whole lot of fun to play. And the weird thing is, is if you listen to Tony Danza, you actually figure out that, yeah, it's chaotic and it's crazy, but it's all actually very complex and technical when you break it down. Um, you know, I wouldn't say as, as technical maybe on the first two records, but, uh, later on in their career, they definitely break through into some just crazy technicality, and I don't, I don't really hear that type of technicality on bands like The Chariot, or Early Norma Jean, or Spitfire, or anything. Whereas their focus was just to be crazy, whereas with Tony Danza, it was more like their focus was to be crazy, but also be very technical and you know odd time signatures. Weird riff transitions. My, um, my review of Tony Danza, Tap Dance Extravaganza, for people that haven't heard it, 
is it's an audio onslaught. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And especially Danza 2, because for a long time, Danza 2 was the record that I pulled out. Whenever somebody said, this is the heaviest thing I've ever heard, or, you know, this is the loudest thing I ever heard. Oh, and, yeah, listen you know, to this. When we get when we get the opportunity, we're going to talk about Pantera, because I know one of your opinions about Pantera in the 90s is very similar to one of mine, which is there's very little dynamic, and it's all loud on purpose. Danza yeah. 2 may be the loudest on purpose band or album you've ever listened to until you get to Danza 3, but I'm not going to get that far ahead because they just keep getting louder and louder and louder, and I think maybe like maybe only comparable to Ganglia. It, it, <laughs> it, it becomes an endurance like just to get through the record. You're going to mention Ganglia on our show, really? Uh, absolutely, I'm going to mention Ganglia when I'm talking about Tony Danza because... No, I don't know. No, no, come no, no, on. No, from an audio standpoint of sit down, listen to the record, Danza 2 is like it becomes an endurance challenge to just get through it before you just, I can't take anymore. Oh, it's only 30 minutes. Come on. I, and it's got some skits on it, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know. You know and Maybe I've just gotten used to it. That's the thing. We, we, we got used to it, but the first time we heard Danza 2, the electric boogaloo, we heard, and, and my only regret is I can't, I probably can't play them, but this album is littered with skits. Yeah, it is. I and wish you, we could play all the skits, you, but I don't want to get, like, we copyright and fringe. We could just notices. listen to the skits and call it a day. Yeah, I mean, so the first album, I guess it's. I guess we've talked enough to where we could talk about the first album. Um, like I said before, the first the first Danza album, you know, self titled record. And in a lot of ways, the all the albums are self titled, but uh, the first one is uh, it's just it's chaotic. It sounds dirty. Uh, the only thing that's really holding it back from sounding like something like Danza Two is the production quality. It, it sounds like it may have been recorded kind of more of in a subpar state. Definitely independent. Yeah, the vocals are mixed really, really weird, and um, it makes them sound like higher pitched than I think they're supposed to sound. Because like I listen to that, and and he does lows. I think their singer's name is Jesse. He does lows, you know, in the first record, but everything just kind of comes across as high pitched and and kind of tinny sounding, um, which is ridiculous considering like you know how modern the, the musical style really is. <laughs> Um, it, but yeah, it, the first album is just an onslaught from beginning to end. There's, there's, there's no melodic breaks, no acoustic intros, no heartfelt, you know, power jam type songs. It's, it's a guitar player's wank session. It is, dude. It, it's a hundred percent. Can I just, say that on the show? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. I, uh, I'm the editor, so. There you go. But Danza Two, the Electric Boogaloo. Did we find this by accident, or was this something you sought out? Uh, me and uh, me and my buddy Patrick were at a Best Buy, and I I came to Best Buy looking for a different CD, but we just see this cover sitting there. It's like a wood grain cover, and on the front of it it says the Tony Danza Tap Dance Extravaganza Danza Two the Electric Boogaloo, and I was like, okay, well I guess I'll get this, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, we took it. We took it down to Joe's house. We we listened to it all the way, all the way down. And I remember it being kind of funny because we popped it in and had no idea really what to expect. Um, I hadn't heard the first Danza album yet, 
Uh, so we really didn't know what we had, what we had purchased, you know. <laughs> and uh, it starts off with this skit about like this midget that goes to a bar in Louis in Louisiana named Cease, and uh, what apparently follows? apparently he had caused some kind of trouble at the bar before. And so when he came in, they made him pay five dollars just to come into the come into the bar, and uh, they tell him just to keep to himself and not cause any trouble. And uh, and I can only assume that these skits were done by the band members. They're not they're not clips taken from a movie that I'm aware of. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it, it sounds like a bunch of guys just doing like southern accents and you know just making it sound really uh, really weird and trailer parky, you know. <laughs> and uh, and and then of course you know they bust into a song called "You Gonna Buy the Beer or the Whole Damn Bar," and it just it turns into this you know these heavy, crushing Mashuga style riffs and you know a loud screaming vocalist and it just erupts into total chaos after that. Um, and they definitely go back to the cl- to the clips or the skits and it's remember what I said about it being an audio onslaught. They are almost the saving grace as far as you endure it long enough to hear the next funny, but there is no, there is no letting up. It's well, yeah. So the first album, we are, we are straight ahead forward on this one. Right. So, I mean, the first album was like, there, there were like uh weird intros to a lot of the songs. Like you'd hear like a little bluegrass part or like a, <laughs> Like a um, this record we save that for the very end, right? Yeah, there was like a little little, little bluegrass part to maybe some like rap stuff in there, um, just really weird stuff. And I I just uh, I couldn't get over the the names of the songs, or it was just like Mad Max Beyond Superdome, uh, rolling and tumbling on Satan's rotisserie. <laughs> uh, nobody, nobody eats barbecue two days in a row, right? Yeah, um, and so it was just. It was really enjoyable, and again, you know, like Joe said, that it kind of, it kind of still sounds like a joke, you know, like they're just playing a big joke on us. But it's weird because if you read the lyrics for Tony Danza, totally serious, like intense, emotional, heartfelt lyrics. But like beyond every, beyond that, it's just like the craziest music you've heard in a while. Yeah, I mean, unless you listen to grindcore, like. On the regular, and I'm I'm gonna play it just because it's for you because it's you know the staple. Shot of whiskey, thank you. I mean, that if that doesn't tell you what you're in for, and I'm not even gonna spoil the ending, but you definitely need to pick this record up. You need to listen to the whole thing, and then know that the last song is almost five minutes long, and it's called the Louisiana Dive Bar Massacre. Enjoy. That's all I have to say. Right. It's uh. It's it's, it's not what you're expecting. It's definitely. <laughs> Sorry, dude. No worries. Tony Danza makes him sneeze sometimes. It's definitely an onslaught in every sense of the word. I don't really know what to say. <laughs> it's just... It's just it continual. Like, to a point where, but it's, and again, it's not like the music isn't good. You know, I'm not talking about, like, you're listening to, like, a Cannibal Corpse or Napalm Death record where it's just, like, unrelenting, unmelodic, technical stuff. Right. It's, it is complex. It is technical. It's hard to pull off. Um, I couldn't play it, much less keep up, like, remember even what words to sing 
while recording, you know, like, <laughs> and see, this is, this is that, that part where musical taste comes in because this is the kind of stuff that for me, like, I like, I like what I'm hearing, but like, I wouldn't want to sit down and play it because for me, it just wouldn't be fun. It just sounds like noise from a creative standpoint. Right. Well, it's, it's clearly fun for these guys. But when done correctly, it can be very enjoyable. Right. And I, I would be lying to you if I said I didn't enjoy this record. Yeah, yeah, and uh Bruce Fitzhugh from Living Sacrifice does a cameo uh well, on then this you know record. It's good. A guest a guest vocal at the on the electric boogaloo, which is really cool kind of hearing him on there. Uh wasn't wasn't something that was expected as I was a huge Living Sacrifice fan and um just to hear him on this, you know, just a random record that I bought was uh, was pretty cool. And uh I'm not a hundred percent sure, but are these all original band members, or did we kind of have some changes between the last and this one? I know most of the first record members were it it, it very much seemed like a joke, yeah, yeah, I mean, it could have been I mean obviously it wasn't as they kept going, but um yeah, I mean i I think these first two records were more or less the same band. And again, I could be completely wrong. Um, so I what happened? I didn't go on right Wikipedia and look it all up, but um, so Danza Three is uh, Danza Three is called the series of unfortunate events, and so like this takes everything that you've heard before and ups the ante in almost every way, except this time it's an hour long. And it's just, again, completely overwhelming to listen to. Remember what we said about audio onslaught? It is. There's nothing really that you would call super melodic going on here. Um, Truthfully, I have spent the least amount of time listening to this record. I think I've listened to Danza 2 and 4 the most. Right. But you have told me on many occasions that that is my mistake. Yeah, it is. I mean, this record is... This is the record where you work a million hours in a week and you just have nothing left and you need something to drive you further to get where you need to get. And this is just so energetic, so technical, so heavy that I mean, you can't, you can't drop a pin between the riffs. I mean, it's just... It's a continuous onslaught it's like pushing a boulder up a hill for that person that's never listened to a band like this listen to danza 2 first <laughs> if you're still alive <laughs> take a day off because your ears need a rest put in danza 3 and let me know how you are an hour from now right it just really um gets under your skin um like I personally like it is I'm I'm not necessarily turned off by the idea of an unmelodic band, <laughs> you know. Uh, they, everything has its place, they say, and you know, occasionally you just want heavy. Yeah, and that that is absolutely what you're getting here. You, this is probably the heaviest Danza record from a production standpoint. I mean, I I would wonder if they re-recorded the first album. That one might be heavier because, like I said, there there are some actual like almost grindcore parts on that first Danza record. But this record is starts off with a track called Vic Mayhem. Yeah, Vicky Mayhem. Oh, it's Vicky. Yeah, and then there after that you get Yippie Kaye motherfucker right after that and um The Lost and Damned Passenger fifty seven. Yeah, I mean this one actually though was the first time where 
I kind of felt like the band was taking what they were doing a little bit more seriously because you don't have as many of those weird intros. You don't have the skits. You don't have kind of the gimmick, I think, that they, because I think Danza 2, they had the gimmick of having this continuous skit driven story (laughs) going throughout the record, whereas this one is just. You know, buckle in. You're going to be on this for an hour. You're going to, you're hopefully, you're going to love it. But, you know, um, it definitely assaults your senses in a way that I haven't really experienced in other records uh, up to this point. Um, Danza 3 is just sick. Primarily I mean, written by the guitarist, if I'm remembering it right. Yeah, yeah. Last, um, last two records were, I mean. Josh Travis, I think his name is. Yeah, and. For for those bands that have existed past their their time of actually existing, this is one of those examples of well, I've got these riffs. I want to make a record. I'm going to record this, and what we got was more than we expected. Yeah, and I didn't think they could do it again. Oh yeah, man they they really um they really killed it here. I mean it's uh it's hard to it's hard to really pin down, but like. I think they they hit a level of chaos. The weird thing that they did introduce in Danza 3, though, was there was a little bit more um, atmosphere here than what we'd had before. You started getting kind of these, like, background, I don't want to say melodies, but just kind of something, a little bit more atmospheric guitar going on in the background, which uh, kind of created more of a mood for each of the songs. And um, it was definitely more refined. I wouldn't say produced because that's the wrong word with this style. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously they're in a better studio, you know, than they were for the previous two records, which is great. But uh, and I think I think that's where this record was really able to pummel you. But you do get a little bit more atmosphere um, on this record, which would kind of bleed more into the into the fourth record. Definitely less funny. Yeah, this isn't. The, yeah, this isn't a joke anymore. This is. Just like straight ahead in your face, just metal chaotic onslaught, and and I love it, man. I mean, Danza Three is still my go-to for if I'm having a bad day or I just need some energy. Yeah, it's better than it's better than drinking a monster. It's better than you know drinking a five-hour energy. Um, I would even I would even recommend not to even combine those things. Uh, with Danza Three, um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's just uh, it's terrifying in places, you know. It's uh, and and we're not blazing through these. I mean, I know we we haven't been doing this episode very long, but you know, they are what they are. Yeah, and you need to understand it's not like your typical thrash or '80s heavy metal band. You know, if if you've never listened to this style of metal, you're going to be su- surprised what you get. Because you're either going to be not happy, not impressed, or you're going to be looking for the catch. Right. I I am here to tell you now, there is no catch. What you get with this style of metal, and specifically from this band, you get exactly what they're giving you, which is a heavy metal audio onslaught. Yeah, it's heavy. Um, it's it's extreme. And then we got Danza Four. Yeah, Danza 4 uh, came totally out of nowhere because my understanding at that time was that Danza was done. You know, they were uh, they were kind of a band that had kind of expired. So when I saw that there was a record called Danza 4, the Alpha, the Omega, 
on sale. I you know bought it immediately and uh, was uh, very surprised by what I heard. Uh, the first thing that that's really notable about this record is that at this point you're looking at the guitarist uh, Josh Travis and their singer Jesse. It might be Freeland. And uh, well, Josh uh, Josh Travis wrote wrote and performed all instruments, which is just insane. Pretty nuts. Uh, when you really, when you really hear what the complexity of what's going on here. So, to give some context on this type of record, your your thesis, your philosophy on why bands' first records are so good, yes, has been, and I'm summarizing because you've had your whole life to come up with these songs. Correct. And if your second album is better. It's you needed a little bit of refining, but that's always been your answer. Right. So this is the album that this guy's had in him his whole life because he did everything. So he's had time. It had to have been because... And what comes out is smooth. Smooth for Tony Danza. Audio audio onslaught, if it's possible, just got dialed back from 11 to 10 and a half. Maybe. Um, I don't think this record's as heavy as Danza 3. I, it is in places. Um, but this record has a lot more atmosphere in it than what you would had on, um, and it's creepy atmosphere for the most part, um, than what you'd had on Danza 2 or Danza 3. Um, but one thing that's very different on this is there are actually um, some melodic breaks to the onslaught. I mean, the, the album starts a lot like Dance of Three. You know, um, there's not, you know, uh, there's not too much as far as, um, you know, like super dynamics. But as the album continues, uh, you start you start hearing kind of this this background melodic theme that's there. That, that kind of follows you throughout the record. And by the time you reach the climax, <laughs> climax, um, you get to the song, the Alpha, the Omega, and it's like, it's like all, uh, it's like, it's like heavy as Danza has ever been, but also has this underlying melody to it that drives you through the song in a way that the band has never really achieved before. Without naming names, this is the, type of record when you listen to it where you say to yourself this sounds like they should have changed the name and kept going with this so why this is still named the tony danza tap dance extravaganza i don't know i just know it's great well i disagree i think i think this still sounds very much like them uh it okay. sounds it sounds like Tony Danza. The record starts off in the same manner that any other Tony Danza record goes off starts off, but this was uh this was different in the sense that it kind of grew as it went. And I remember being like really blown away when I heard the song uh This Cut is the Deepest, which is what we're listening to right now. It was the first time I'd ever heard them do a melodic section on a song. Still full onslaught, still screamed, still heavy as all piss. 
but there was actually melodic riffs being played, you know, on this crazy eight-string guitar setup uh, that was, again, still uncompromisingly heavy, but really just felt good to listen to. Um, and that it's the very first time I've listened to Tony Danza and been like, yeah, I, I feel good now. You know, <laughs> I feel That's a definite change. From I don't feel other like, days. I, yeah, I don't feel like I was bludgeoned in the head with a tire iron that time. And, um, and it was a lot of fun to hear that develop into songs like the alpha, the Omega. Um, they're just really, uh, and they didn't do it a lot. I mean, like this is still a ball busting, you know, chaotic metal record. You know, if you go into this expecting, you know, something, you know. We talked about a plea for purging. I would give this record to any plea fan. Yeah, yeah, I could see similarities there, uh, whereas plea's more structured. But um, this record definitely appealed to fans of that type of music um, at the time. And it was actually, I remember being very disappointed that this was it, you know. And I know in this day and age it's hard to say whether something is just it or not because... um. You know, bands tend to get back together, it seems like, after two years or... Yeah, that hasn't happened yet with Danza. Or four years or whatever. And, you know, they, they may never come back, but um, it would definitely be nice to hear something like the Alpha, the Omega uh, again or something something similar, something of its ilk. Um, Joe, if you go up two tracks, it's the, that's the actual Alpha the Omega. For some reason, when you rip this track into i, for when you rip this album into iTunes, um, the the album the the track listing is all messed up. Um, that's one of those interesting aspects. Yeah, but so this song that we're listening to now is the Alpha the Omega, and um, I feel like it's probably the best song on the record. I would not disagree. Yeah, I mean, I, I have I, a thing for the cut is the deepest, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah. Um, What's cool too is the lyrics on this are a lot more serious than what you'd have what we'd had before. Uh, there's a, there's a song that's actually about American soldiers overseas. Um, a, a lot of really like heartfelt, more personal lyrics. Um, very angry, but um, but sincere. Um, and they, they they criticize the hardcore scene and all that stuff too uh, on this record. Um, making kind of kind of poking at people that that wear girl pants and things. <laughs> a lot a lot of bands do that on the way out, and this is I would definitely say this is yeah, on the way out. Yeah, because I mean, what have what have they got to lose, right? You know, um, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. I'm going to tell you what you. I think. Yeah, and um, this record was just just very good for me to. I mean, it came out a, a few years ago, and um, what year was this, Joe? Was this 2012? 2012, 2012 on the Alpha yeah. So, um, I mean, and even five years later, man, it's still probably my go-to record for this type of music. Um, just because it's it's so dynamic, it's so in your face, it doesn't compromise anything. You know, like it was. It's usually when a band like this adds melody to their sound, it doesn't work, or it sounds forced. In this case, it, it really kind of came across as a natural progression because I think I think they easily could have cut all that melodic stuff out and did another Danza three, and I think that would have been the easier way to go. But this is uh, this is a different beast entirely, and uh, I, I would hope that the that the two guys that made, basically wrote it and recorded it, you know, really walked away feeling proud of what they'd done. You know, this might be an example of a band. This might be the only example of a band I can think of where you could actually listen to these albums in reverse order and you might get a better experience. 
Because uh, you start off, you start off at at the peak, and then you get the peak of heavy, and then you get the joke, and then you get the all joke. Right? Yeah, it's possible. So you know, for for most metal fans, I would say you could start with this. Yeah, I mean, typically I, I alternate between Danza Four and Danza Three. Right, we save Danza Two for those occasions when it's a bluegrass kind of day. Danza Two is great, but it, it, the really the first two Danza records functioned at least for me as the type of record that you kind of just showed people more than you more than you sat down and actually listened to it. Right. Whereas Danza Three and Four are are, are alternately more deserving of your actual time. Like you put it in, you listen to it. You know, um, and you kind of get where they were going with it. Um, I still find it very amazing that all of the instruments on Danza Four were performed by one person. Um, that just that just blows my mind. <laughs> so, is there any other band that would kind of rub you the same way as far as the Danza style or the Danza feel? Not not at this exact moment. I mean, I know that the style that they pl- were playing wasn't exactly unique uh, at the time, but. Um, uh, they they just struck a chord with me, and uh, you know it, it definitely you know was kind of the first record in like the hardcore metalcore style, I guess that actually uh, really grabbed hold of me, um, and and kind of affected me on the same level as like extreme death metal and stuff would would now, you know. Um, obviously, you know, yeah, you, you could pop in something like Nile and be like, okay, yeah, it's that's a lot heavier than uh than tony danza but but for a hardcore metalcore i mean i think these guys were top of the game and uh honestly i haven't really heard a record in this style since this that really impressed me on the same level that this one did final thoughts on tony danza tap dance extravaganza uh you should definitely listen to it uh it's uh it's worth your time even if you listen to it and think that it's not your style um, I think there's definitely something to be had to be said about uh, about what they did, the progression that they made, and uh, and some of the statements that they made uh, musically. Uh, I think it's undeniable, and I, I'd love to hear. I would love to hear more, obviously, in the future. But um, I think I think Tony Danza's where it's at, and um, I recommend anybody that's a fan of chaotic metal to to definitely check it out. For that person that listens to a plea for purging. Listens to Between the Buried and Me. Listens to Norma Jean, even. For that person, don't be afraid to start, stop halfway, and come back later. Because, you know, one or two listens will get you in on this. Because this is your chaotic metal done very, very well. And if you haven't heard it, you need to take some time. For sure. Because we're probably never going to get anything like it again. Yeah, I doubt it. Seriously. What's your album of the week? My album of the week? Well, uh, that's rough, man. Um, I've been listening to a lot of like really old stuff. Um, Me too. Probably the same band you have. No, not super old. Uh, if you're talking about Pantera, I haven't really listened to it enough. That's um, not old enough. Okay. Well, uh, actually, I've been listening to the album uh, Demonic by uh, Testament. And that's been uh, that's been my album of the week, my most frequently played. I'm going to create a little bit of a controversy here, but we have a very special guest in my eyes, a very special guest lined up that we will be talking to next week, yes. and most likely that episode will come out on Friday. Yeah, we've got actually got a few people lined up uh, 
you know, we had uh, we had Travis from As the Story Grows uh, last week and or two weeks ago, I guess. We took a week off because, come on, that episode was two hours long. It I was mean, amazing. It was exhausting. We definitely awesome. enjoyed that. And we, I, you reminded me we actually have two guests. Can we can we mention anybody? Or um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until it's actually confirmed. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that challenge and say follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Yeah, we'll definitely keep you up to date on any developments. Keep your eyes open because my album of the week is actually a greatest hits. Oh, boy. To get you in the mood for what is going to come next. It is We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll. It's the vinyl greatest hits for Black Sabbath. Oh, yeah. Primarily the early days of Ozzy, but that will get you psyched up for what we've got coming up and... You know, and we've got some big stuff coming down the pipe. Um, in addition to our to our traditional uh, discography discussions, we are planning on having music genre discussions as well, uh, which you know may not post as an actual episode, but we will uh, kind of break down uh, the genres a little bit and and discuss them as to what their impact was and the time period that they came in. So you can expect in the future, you know, full-on episodes about thrash metal only or death metal only or um, hardcore only, you know, new metal only. We're, we're going to just really kind of break it all open and it'll give us a band, it'll give us a chance to talk about bands that maybe don't necessarily fall into our normal format, um, but we want to talk about anyway. And sometimes we can, we can discuss them in the, in the context of, of talking about a genre as a whole. You know, uh, and I think that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're just going to kind of experiment with different formats, but still try to deliver, uh, you know, what we originally t- intended to do, which was uh, talk about bands from beginning to end. So it's uh, a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Uh, it's just getting better and better, and uh, we really hope that you guys will uh, stay along for the ride through all that. This has been episode 13 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion, and please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, please become one at Patreon. You can search for Dan and Joe Show, Discography Discussion, or go to patreon.com slash discussmetal.